Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Bear Guys and Tua T Fitness. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the 1997 Singles Edition. Today, Speed 2 Cruise Control. Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man careening through the ocean himself, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hit him in the bullseye, Tom. There's no little girls in here, just big women. <laughs> the uh, recently departed Mike Haggerty there. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Um, I mean... Br- Bridget Ever- Everett. Yeah, for those of us that, that know. Oh, Seinfeld, Kirby Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Um, cheers. Absolutely. Lucky Louie. Overboard. Overboard, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. There's your connection. That's why he's in this movie. Exactly. <laughs> I, I count him as one of the two uh, thoroughly good performances in this film. One of the two? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we alluded to this in our, uh, mm-hmm. you know, should we reveal? Um, well, we <laughs> We should we should reveal. Okay, well, how do we do this? I don't know. I I, I feel like you just say, "Is it Willem Dafoe?" It better be, right? Yeah, of course it is. Okay, thank you. Of course it fucking is. <laughs> Maybe the only part of this of of Speed Two Groove Control that improves on the original. Oh, you don't like? No, I like. Okay. But I don't Willem Dafoe like. You don't. You don't. You, you're, Dennis Hopper doesn't raise to the level. We'll talk. We'll talk about it. I have no issues with Dennis Hopper, but because come on, he's a, so much this fun. Is more ev- this is a more evenly paced performance than we get from Dennis Hopper in Speed. Okay. It's, honestly, Willem Dafoe is doing some stuff here that goes beyond the call of duty for the film he's in. Oh, so far beyond, yeah. <laughs> This is a legitimate character thrown in. And you know what's funny? A, I mean, a movie that d- doesn't doesn't roll that way. I hate I hate <laughs> to skip to the very end of the movie at the very do beginning it. of our podcast, but I do remember <laughs> seeing this movie in the theater, and yeah. even on our last episode on Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I remember saying something to the effect of how much Speed Two, you know, seeing it in the movie theater, I was just sort of livid. Yeah, because your your expectations are high, and you want to see yeah. a a great movie, a great sequel to a great movie, <laughs> and uh, then you get Speed Two Cruise Control. <laughs> but there was this one moment when that plane slams into like the mast or whatever it is on the oil tanker. Yeah, and when he starts laughing maniacally. Yeah, there's this point where I I remember even in the movie theater going. Well, now that's so ridiculous. It's almost delicious. <laughs> there, there are a few moments he has, acting moments he has in this film, which I think are worth the price of admission alone. Yeah. 
Uh, and that's what that's that's why this is the top of my list, and that that is why I might pause before I'd say it's a bad movie. <laughs> it's really that and one other sequence in the in the film. That's it. Well, let's wait on that until we get. Mm-hmm. Oh to yeah, it. we'll wait. We'll wait on that one. All right. Um, but I suspect we're we're of like minds on that one too. Probably. <laughs> All right. The UB forty concert, right? <laughs> of course. Yes, this movie stopped. <laughs> this is a movie called Speed that stops for a UB40 concert. <laughs> All right, I, ladies and I gentlemen. Don't, I, don't re- I don't remember the, the uh, equivalency in Speed where we uh, we slowed, where the bus slowed down for a roadside performance by Jimmy Buffett. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> could, could not agree more. This movie. Fuck. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, obviously, we are talking Speed 2 Cruise Control, yet another 1997 movie. This one's directed by Jan DeBont. Uh, if you're a movie fan, I think most people remember Jan DeBont. Mm-hmm. He did direct Especially the fir- if you're a disaster movie fan. Yeah. He directed the first Speed. He directed Twister. I loved both those movies. And then we yeah. get into, you know... The Haunting and Laura, <laughs> Laura Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. But of course, you know, where he got his start was as a cinematographer. Yeah. And he's a cinematographer on, you know, Die Hard and Hunt for Red October, Basic Instinct, Which, yeah. Black Rain, even Cujo, going back to Cujo. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hunt for, I forgot about Hunt for Red October, and that that's... Uh, I, well, th- that and Die Hard. Um, Those two really yeah. speak well to his idea of being able to create a shot and yeah. making things look beautiful. And, you know, they, they play into this movie, both of those. Yeah. They're, they're, they're and that's why I can never... Feel like Die Hard and feel like a submarine movie. Yeah, that's why on this watching, I remember thinking to myself... Oh, I'm not nearly as mad at this movie when I as I was when I first yeah. saw it. There's Some just very, too much. Very effective, very effective uh, sequences. Yeah, and he, he even though there are like movie. even though there are so many times throughout this movie, you're wondering why am I watching this? <laughs> why is this what they are choosing to put on screen? What yeah. they're putting on screen looks pretty good, and yeah. you know, can you know shows a like more than competency is is actually interesting to look at agreed you'll get no argument for me there all right well once again tom i mentioned this i think also in our last episode four percent on rotten tomatoes for speed two this movie is famously bad yeah i mean when this movie came out people i think enjoyed drubbing this movie all to shit Completely, yeah. Well, I, I, I understand that. I just think there are worse things in the world, you know. <laughs> right. Like a like a really bad Oscar bait movie mm-hmm. is worse than than this, you know. I, I would reserve four percent for something like Green Book or The English Patient, or, you know, that kind of <laughs> territory. There you go. There's no fun or joy to be had with movies like that, but. There really is with this. And it's just, I was just struck by how, how like I said in the ranking episode, by how easily it went down. Mm-hmm. 
Like, at no point in this movie am I sort of struggling with it. Uh, right. In terms of it being watchable and enjoyable. Well, I think it's interesting you say that because I, uh, I, there's a dichotomy for me. I, you know, I'm, ch- you know, 1997. I mean, it's a long time ago. So I'm constantly, as I was watching it, I was constantly trying to go back in time in the way back time machine yeah. to think about what made me so angry about it and why I wasn't enjoying this movie. It's like Hollywood's worst impulses, right? All yeah, and I think I think package. that's what it mostly had to do with, and because obviously, when you're starting from zero, in talking about this movie and comparing to to the original Speed, you don't have Keanu Reeves, and so this move, you know, this movie is going to be different based on that alone. Yeah. But it's like you have San- Sandra Bullock and you have Jan de Bond. And so I think I had. Mm. An, an, yeah, there's, there's definitely a way you can slot someone else in there. Right. But this movie didn't do that. Didn't, <laughs> right. <laughs> didn't pull that off. So, That's the problem. I think what's amazing was that I had this Jan de Bond expectation yeah. for the movie to be good. And it's not good. But it's a whole lot of fun. It really is. Yeah. And I think because I was expecting it to be good, I I wasn't recognizing it as fun back then. Yeah, I, I complete I completely understand that. And yeah, I I, I think again it's you're in that American werewolf situation where you can't conceive of what the sequel to the original would be. But mm-hmm. as you're watching this movie, you realize what it could have been. And you realize this movie doesn't add up to that. Yeah, right. And that's a problem. But if you just if you just roll with it, it it's not as it, it you know, if if you if you have no expectations of where you're going to go. Right. There's there's whole sequences and performances in this movie that are actually very enjoyable <laughs> so i don't know i don't know I, I i i still don't know what to do with it as an as an object of film but, yeah it's a strange it's a but strange I, I know movie. it didn't it didn't feel like most two-hour movies that didn't feel like it didn't have the heaviness of most two-hour movies I've yeah seen. right so that's that's that says something you know and again in 1997, I would have said 4%, that's right, but 4% seems pejorative right now, yeah. you know? punishing, right? Punishing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I, I, I don't think, I don't think uh, a 4% movie is as watchable as this. Yeah. Now, this movie did did, did have a, like, a real serious budget, 160... <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> as you can see on screen, right? Yeah. A hundred and sixty million dollar budget. Money, Mike. What's that? They're going for that Titanic money. Oh yeah. They're, they're pitching that. They pitched their uh, their tent right in the middle of James Cameron's budget. <laughs> so, a hundred and sixty million dollars. Uh, this this movie has an oops of an opening weekend at sixteen point one, and only forty eight point six million in the uh, USA. 
but 164.5 million in the world. So once again, the world comes through yeah. trying to bail out a bad movie. France. What's that? I wonder how much of that is France. This just feels like a movie that the French would enjoy. Right. I don't know why. I have no basis for that. It's just what I think. <laughs> so how did... So, I mean, you might remember. I, I don't. I never saw this at the, at the movie theater. Why, why were people so averse to even going on the opening weekend? Was it just getting? Was it getting bad previews? Yeah, it... I th- I think even before it came out, yeah, the movie was getting a, a like a serious, you know, bad word of mouth. I remember seeing the trailer in uh-huh. the movie theater. And... Well, it didn't make you want to go see it. Well, I was a snob back then. I wouldn't see movies like that at the time because of your teacher. <laughs> we were no, talking... that was pre- that was pre my that was that okay. Was... First of all, that was an off-air conversation. <laughs> Secondly, it was before that. I know I was just I, I was just a real snob. I do remember I do remember um back-to-back trailers in it must have been 96. When did Star Trek Generations come out? 96? Mm. Was that 90 That mm. feels that feels late, doesn't late. it? Late. Uh, okay. Maybe I want to scrap this, but I but I seem to I don't I remember seeing the trailer. Maybe it was two separate occasions. I remember it being back to back. But the the way that the trailer was cut had maniacal laughter from one of the characters. Willem Dafoe in in Speed Two and mm-hmm. Data and Star Trek Generations. Yeah, because I want to say Generations is like ninety four. Yeah, it's ninety four, so my memory must be faulty. Uh, right. But I so I associate seeing those two trailers and not seeing those two films, <laughs> <laughs> and the and the common denominator is that at one point a character breaks out in maniacal laughter. Well, this this certainly has trailer. that. Yeah. Little All right. I know that would be the highlight of the film. I know. Oh man, it really got me this time, and this whole last sequence. Really mm-hmm. got me this time. Yes, it's a special bit of business, but let's let's save it. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of, you know, twentieth century Fox logo melting into water? Well, first of all, it's great to see the twentieth century Fox logo before the constituent elements of the logo were taken away. What is it now? Like two zero or what? What's left? Yeah, I don't is there know. Anything left? Two thousand. Oh. Um. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. I, I, it I just waterfalls like... like my note was twentieth century waterfalls into yeah uh, action of the most generic kind. <laughs> yes, I think I I the logo the logo shtick was fine. I did. I mean, there's a noticeable drop off because uh, I think very highly of the speed titles. They're like. Burned in my brain as the sort of classic yeah. early nineties fat blue mm-hmm. lettering, but this was just like epilepsy inducing kind of <laughs> right, and and of course you know like well and the, the music, music that goes along with it you know right because they're, they're, they're hearkening back to speed yeah. music but they it they feels like the they're riff in there right you know you know how they sort of elevate things into sequels you know try yeah. to. 
it's an act of subterfuge is what it is it's, it's like, as as is like the road becoming water it's sort of like yep road i remember yep. road from speed and now oh, we're in the water okay we're in the water yeah uh why are we in the water um but we're I, I, well to be i mean we we go to the water but then we go back to the road Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have the business to a, of to recasting, a car chase. Re- recasting Keanu Reeves in, in real time. Yeah. We we have a, a not even a car, it's a it's a van slash motorcycle chase that makes no sense. This is it, right? Like it, it's a Ducati chasing a, a mobile cleaning service van. Yeah. Uh, so it's like we're trying to capture the essence of the original, but in less exciting ways. Right. So so at the beginning, <laughs> at the beginning of Speed, a madman, our main villain, has taken over an elevator. And yeah. this this squad, what is the squad called? Suicide Squad? Mm. Yeah, sure. I always thought it was called the Zombie Squad. Okay. I thought I had remembered that. And then they said, I think, the Suicide Squad. And I was like, that can't be right. I have a mental Mike Shantz 90s memory. Of you the trust zombie. their memory of speed over yours? I know. And then they never said I, I, zombie. I would bet on you. I think the times. I think the video versions the have a different cut. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's perfectly possible. I, I, but at any I, rate. You know, we're talking about some sort of SWAT slash bomb squad in the first movie. Mm-hmm. This guy's chasing a van with stolen goods. It seems like a waste of resources for the talents of this particular squad. This opening sequence asks you to accept so much up front. Oh, man. Um, but it's Heavy really... on the scales of what it wants you to understand and trust and know. I only learned recently that Jason Patrick wasn't supposed to be the same character that Keanu Reeves played. Oh, wow. Really? I always assumed. That's one of my first questions for you. Do you think they would have been better served to just say he's Jack? Now, not necessarily. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. If they'd have played it right. Well, they don't. No, but they don't do anything in this movie. Like part of the problem is, A, they show you Joe Morton again. So it's the same team. Well, th- this is this, th- which means huge... this guy must have worked with Keanu Reeves at some point, right? But okay, so so I gotta I gotta break this down, okay? Okay. So they're introduced. So he he's <laughs> he is he's a surrogate for for Jack, right? We know he's not Jack from the outset. He's called Alex, so we know he's not the same guy, right? But he has the same job, and the same colleagues, and the same bosses, right? And I like the direction that goes in because what it says, because I think I think you could you could blend the legacy. But you have to acknowledge it, Tom. (laughs) No, listen, listen, you can blend the the legacy and the surrogate character in in the idea that uh, Sandra Bullock's Ali, uh, Ali, Annie (laughs) is always going for the same type of guy. Yeah. But that's not what they do. No, because because it's not the, the way that they should have met is that he was one of Jack's colleagues and uh-huh. that's how they met but they met completely randomly and yet they have the same he has the same boss of Jack think right. of that as a coincidence huge they're both they both work under Joe Morton 
And yet Annie, who is a common denominator to all of them, met Jack and Alex in completely separate situations. Coincidence in this movie is writ large, like throughout. And then, but the thing, but she met him under the false pretenses that he was a traffic cop. Yeah. So she's actively trying to get a boyfriend who is not like Jack. And she's ended up with him like Jack. So and also a liar. Wonders the only opportunity of that this that this would ever make sense. She's ended up with another Jack, but a Jack who's a liar. Right, but she thought he was a different guy. And that's the other so thing. So this idea right. that she always goes for the same kind of boyfriend makes no sense. But that's totally what they should have done. Right. Absolutely. They have the same job, and the same boss. And I think what's what's like what strikes you. Certainly on my first viewing of this movie way back when was that they treat this the way a sitcom would treat it. <laughs> that's very true. And that's not good for a major motion picture. You don't want that. I'll go I'll go on I'll go on better. Uh-huh. I would say this movie begins as a romantic comedy. Right, but with a with a chase. This is a for for quite a while this movie is a romantic comedy. Yeah. And, and you was... can tell that because of how they treat Annie at the beginning of this movie with, of course, with Tim Conway. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And again, I think this is like this is the equivalent of the flipping ninjas in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah, it's yeah, like, right. It's like we're throwing legacy characters and actors and celebrity cameos at you just to distract you from the nonsense that's going on. Yeah. Because on an, at a narrative level, what you have to accept in this opening sequence is astonish is an astonishing. Oh, it's amazing! I have notes like, no human being drives like that. Well, I don't believe yeah, right. that. I can't suspend my disbelief enough to believe that Annie drives a car like. If you're if you're taking a driving test, you try to at least get your shit together enough to pay attention. To what's yeah. on the road in front of you. And she's yeah. just talking about her relationship as though she's not taking a test. And in addition to all those coincidences that we've already talked about, the, the movie is also accept, asking us to accept that Alex moonlights as a traffic cop when he's not doing SWAT. <laughs> right? <laughs> he fills in for traffic officers when he's not doing SWAT team work. That's just his cover line. He just says, yeah, I mean, sometimes I fill in for a friend. I don't know that cops actually do that, which also lends to the... I don't think they're they're legally allowed to do that. Right, exactly. That lends to the lack of credibility for this choice to be made for the script. And also, I think if you you are... (laughs) Suicide Squad, I think they call it. Okay, if you want to say that before, I can't remember what I called it before. Yeah, you, you, no, you said you thought it was called Zombie Squad, but but what was the name I that they I Suicide Squad. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, and that so if if you if you're trying to get an audience to accept that your replacement lead is a guy in his own right. Mm-hmm. Don't have a character say to him, I don't even know who you are. Because we don't know who he is. Right. And we need to know. We can't leave him an enigma. Yeah. This whole scene should be about who is this guy? How is he different from or similar to Jack? 
and the movie blows every aspect of that out of the water, so to speak, so to speak. And also, when you juxtapose it against speed, by the time that, I, for lack of a better word, couple words, cold open is open, but to the time that opening scene in speed is, you know, cold open after the credits. But it's a different... The, the you know exactly who Jack is. Huh. Well, but I mean, that is very much... The original movie starts with what is very much a standalone action set piece. Yeah. To begin the movie. The, this, I think that... I think what they're trying to do is to try to do the previous film in a microcosm. Mm. Right. Because they know they're going to the water and they'll never be back on the road. Because they know it, that, that after this, they're going to have two full hours worth of movie left. Yeah. So they're, they're trying just, to they're, get through it quick. Again, I think they're trying to smooth the transition from from this being a road-based uh, franchise to a water-based franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, the, the, their lubricant is making things worse. I know. Everything about it is so clunky because he's... <laughs> I, their lubricant I've, I've been is making we'd is go make, away. Is sticky. Yeah. Um, I've got us tickets that we haven't discussed together at all. <laughs> but that—that's it. Like, if you're in the middle of a rom-com, you would accept all this, right? And that's what they're going for. Everything—the music, the dialogue, the scenario—that's where we are generically. Yeah. And as you say, like you know, we're in the middle. Also, we're in the middle of a sitcom. Yeah. Or a. Or a variety show from the 1960s. <laughs> that once you have Tim Conway there too, right? That's we what it feels sketch, like. It's yeah. a sketch on a sketch on the Carol Burnett show about oh, driving instructors, right? It's amazing. With I don't know Goldie Horn as Annie. It's yeah. like that's the the we're setting out on a on a very different path from the one <laughs> we're used to in this franchise. But given that this the, is the sequel, we're, you know, the sequel is what establishes the franchise yeah. as a franchise. So we're, we're saying that, I, I don't know what we're saying. Well, and <laughs> we're I saying remember, we're, not doing, we're not doing the same movie, that's for sure. You know, what's funny is that I remember seeing that original Speed and I, I you know, I had seen Joe Morton before because, of course, we had Terminator 2. Yeah. But it's one of the first times I just remember thinking that an actor was doing so much with such a small part, which is what I also thought of him in Terminator 2. Right. Uh, and, and everyone in Speed, Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Uh, Alan Ruck. But I know. remember him giving so much legitimacy to the cop side of it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, with things like... They say the bridge is out, but he's saying, well, it's done on the goddamn map. You know, it's like he he had taken the time and the care. In this movie, he's saying things like, look out, you know, and empty boxes are falling out. And he has lines like, hold your fire. He's too far away. But he's not playing the same function in this movie. He's just a cigar store Indian, you know. Yeah, right. It's like later on in the movie when they show you a bus. It's the same thing. It's like it's just something that puts you in mind of the first movie. And that's it. And that's it. The 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 people playing that function in this movie is Boba Fett and uh, and Scottish, <laughs> and Brian McArdle. Boba Fett. No, but it is. They they are they're the the professional side of you know they're the they're the Joe Mortons of this movie. I understand. Think think about that. Right. 
Compare and contrast, if you will. <laughs> you are not in safe hands. <laughs> He's not a bad actor, though. But, oh, Tamara Morrison. Tamara Morrison, all, no. yeah. They're just, they're just idiotic characters. No, so. yeah, completely. Um, well, and what's his name? Is Brian, McArdle's, Bri- Brian McArdle's a really good character actor as well. Oh, man. I don't understand pairing the two. Love him in this movie. And making them sailors. Love him. There's no actor I've ever maybe felt more sorry for ever than Brian McArdle. Or McCarty, right? Okay, yeah. I think it's McCarty. Brian McCarty, uh, as the boat's ramming. And he has to sit there in, in front of a shaking camera saying, 13 knots, 12 knots. 10 knots and then fall to the ground and still say like three knots from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Oh, so good. Um, We get to this cruise ship pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, again, and I got to thinking... tell you, once we get to the cruise ship, this movie gets significantly better. Yeah. It is a relief that, that, uh, that we're no longer in the driving test. Oh, um, it, again, it's a, it's it's a it's pure imbasse. You know, the sequel takes the characters on vacation. Yeah, you know, Mike. The classic example being the feature film spinoffs of British nineteen seventy sitcoms where they all went to Spain. <laughs> that's that's what it makes me think of. That's clearly what's going on here, uh, and <laughs> it's it's also a weirdly large ver- because the. I don't know if you agree with this, but the first movie, they created a a single vehicle environment, right? So the single vehicle that the majority of the film takes place on here is a cruise ship. Yeah. So we've gone from a very closely contained area to like a a city on the sea. Yeah. Um, That's a, you know, that's a, that's an inversion, but it's also a, it's, it's more of a kind of like they've reinterpreted the idea of a single vehicle. That's one of the things I feel like was a mis... <laughs> Sorry, that sounds stupid to say. One of the things that was a misstep for this movie. But it it does feel as though... No, it's a pretty big misstep, though. Yeah, but it feels... As it goes. What I was going to say was that it, this movie feels like it's treating the, the ship like it's the bus. Yes, yes, But it's yes, so yes, much yes. bigger. <laughs> So they're trying to make you feel as though it's a confined space when it is anything but. It's not a confined space and it's not going very fast. Right. All right. Um, Uh, I mean, that's a good start. Yeah, we're on the ship already. So we're on the boat. Why don't we take a break? Yeah. (laughs) Then we'll come back. How about that? Yeah. And then, then then we pretty much got Willem Dafoe's entrance straight after that. Right. What do you notice about a guy not watching golf? my question to you. <laughs> we'll be right back. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. 
But in beer destinations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing Speed 2 Cruise Control, the 1997 film directed by Jan DeBont. He's kind of quit, hasn't he? I guess so. I've not encountered him yeah. for quite a while. You were just saying off mic that uh, this film feels as though the writer did absolutely no research. Yeah, and into, into boats, into anything police work into and i you know i suspect relationships of (laughs) golf the representation of golf in this movie is flawed i wouldn't know uh (laughs) but i suspect given the the movie's track record i think if if you're a hardcore golfer you would be like those balls are all wrong though he shouldn't have those clubs yeah (laughs) it it made me curious so i looked up randall mccormick hmm one of the screenplay writers. So in addition to Speed 2 Cruise Control in 1997, there's a movie called Psycho Sushi that I, I do not know. No. He did the story for Titan AE, but then we have, as the writer, Scorpion 2, or Scorpion King 2, Rise of a Warrior, Blue Crush 2, and Scorpion 3, or the Scorpion King 3, Battle for Redemption. So... What's the bet that at least one of those Scorpion King movies is directed by Don Michael Paul? <laughs> I think you might be right. You never be. You'd never get odds on that, would you? Why? Why? Why does that sound familiar? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I just. It's. It's. Yeah. There's no. Um... But it's. You know. It seems like we're dealing with a type. It does. It does. That all tracks. Writers who do not enjoy research. <laughs> oh, one of the writers uh, did a movie you hate. <laughs> you say that as if it might be a surprise. <laughs> what movie is that? Or well, it's a movie I... we've argued about. Catch Me If You Can. Oh, I don't hate it. And The Terminal. I do hate that movie. <laughs> But I don't hate this movie. Ooh, and the story for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. (laughs) It's not getting any better, is it? No. All right, that's enough for Writer's Corner. (laughs) I think you could could dispute that credit under the Trades Description Act. Right. Indiana Jones and the Crystal, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and story. My (laughs) lord. 
Well, when last we left you, we were talking about the ever-presence of uh, Alex Shaw, as played by Jason Patrick, who is never going to stop being a cop <laughs> and notices <laughs> golf guys not watching golf. You alluded to that, and that's absolutely right. He's not doing anything suspicious, yet the film is telling you who he is. But yeah. also, isn't it kind of a weird note to nearly catch the villain before they do anything? Right. <laughs> I don't think that's doing story right. <laughs> this is to say nothing of the fact that we're dealing with a cop who's already been proven to be a liar. And, uh... <laughs> and, and I, you know... He says, listen, let's not break up. Let's mm-hmm. get away and really get to know each other. Yeah. But then plans on asking her to marry him. Mm-hmm. This is a, a like a classic male move of a guy who just doesn't get it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You are not reading the room, sir. Mm-hmm. He'd be better off with that 15-year-old deaf girl. Which um, this movie proposes he might be able to do. <laughs> For fuck's um, sake. We'll get there. Sadly, we will get there. Um, and the first thing, you, you you know, you said they're treating the cruise ship like it's a buzz. And another way in which they're doing that is they're trying to create another ensemble of colorful characters. Right. Out of the, both the staff and the passenger, the crew and the passengers. Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone, everyone is larger than life mm-hmm. in their own way. Except for Willem Dafoe. Who... Yeah. To my surprise, and unlike Dennis Hopper in the original Speed, comes in lukewarm. Right. Like he's doing naturalistic acting. Yeah. For the the first first few minutes of we see him, and the, that was my first thought. I was like, wow. I mean, way to turn the Dennis Hopper on its head. Mm-hmm. It's like just a just you know he go and and the course of the movie is a slow burn in which he goes from grumpy golfer to green goblin yeah right right <laughs> and it's actually a really well-paced performance by the end of this movie you're I, like, I completely get this guy buy. by the end of this movie you're like get this guy a mirror to talk into <laughs> you know i'm something of a naval program computer person myself right uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't really. Isn't know it a delight, doing. by the way, to to look at a 1997 movie and see computer type graphics? Yeah, from 1997. Oh, oh, I love it. Something that struck me at this point when we get on the boat, this formula, the the speed formula, works much better when the couple get together as a result of the crisis instead of starting the film that way. Mm-hmm. Just an observation. Just a, just something I noticed. Uh, along with the great elderly extra acting in the crane to helicopter shot of the cruise ship, mm-hmm. they do that pullout that we've talked about from the Dirty Harry movies. That yeah, right. Quite know exactly. How they, do, how they do without a camera operator running into a helicopter. That's the only way I can imagine it working. And I'm sure that's not what's happening. Um, but there's just so many old men dancing badly. Like It, it makes me think this is exactly what a cruise ship would would be like and right. why I would want to leave it immediately. And so, I mean, you talked about it. We're going to meet everybody. We got Mike Haggerty, who we already talked about. Colleen Camp is there. Mm-hmm. I Amy mean, Robertson. Well, let's talk about Lois. I mean, Lois Childs, yeah. It's time. <laughs> well, <laughs> what once, when I, uh, so when I saw Lois Childs 
lead her um, hearing impaired daughter in an right. ASL version of Can't Help Falling in Love with You by UB40. Right. I was like, I'm not sure where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely know it's going to be offensive to deaf people at some point. Right. Um, well, so my, my, my other, my other big note about that scene is how much, uh, Sandra Bullock and Jason Patrick look like siblings, siblings rather than lovers. Yes. Do, I mean, do these two... Unlike her and Keanu, right. who look like lovers. Well, and not just that, because they have so much chemistry. Is (laughs) is there a single moment of chemistry between these two actors in this movie? No. I mean, there really isn't. I don't know. And it just makes you wonder. I don't know if the movie depends on it, but yeah, there's not. Oh, I mean, this movie gets by fine without it, but there's no chemistry. No. What gets by fine without it? The movie gets by fine without that. chemistry. You think so? Yeah. Because, I mean, would you say that about the original Speed, that the movie doesn't need that? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I, I guess I suppose, like, once once UB40 start playing, they're bringing jewelry to all the tables. Everyone's yeah. overeating. There's just this sort of sense of, like, self-satisfied excess. Yeah. That... It's kind of it, kind of what it feel it must be like on a cruise ship. I don't think it's inaccurate. Right. I, I don't. Again, I don't know where it's going. I don't know why I'm seeing it. But... <laughs> and then, then speaking. Well, we of also like... see how much little time it takes for Geiger to take over this ship completely. Right. And <laughs> you know, I don't want like you've already alluded to the lack of chemistry, and I you know I don't want to. So I don't want to flog a dead horse, but. Um, Alex and Annie starting. They also, they also have the same first letter in their name, which I know adds to the fraternal, the yeah. siblingness of them. It doesn't um, help. Uh, they start talking in euphemisms, um, talking about like talking about servers when they really mean sex. Yeah, right. Uh, now I think I think of the gold standard of this kind of dialogue as being the big sleep. With Bogey and Bacall, you know, right? Sort of like who's the, how can you go the distance? Depends on who's in the saddle. And the, comparatively, I don't even know who's supposed to be the server and who's supposed to be the person right. being served. Like their role play, they've not got, even got defined roles within their role play. They don't have defined roles within their role play, and by the time they even stop trying to do any of that, one of them is sick. Yes, you know. Did, did I don't want to? You, you're absolutely right. At this point, Geiger's taking over the um, the ship. Yeah. Uh, he with his kind of drunk act. Right. Yes. <laughs> his physical comedy drunk act. Did this make you think of Superman three? With the Richard Pryor trying to control the two computers. Except, of course, he's not really drunk. Right. Uh, no, I mean, I I didn't I didn't really go to Superman three. I guess because scene. he didn't have to. <laughs> tie a rope against anybody's hand and key in no he gets all the it's, it's, you know he stumbles really he gets it all just from just right one way. yeah he just gets it from one sticky yeah uh transistor this is which i open... also love later in the movie that jason patrick is he knows exactly what's up there's got to be something here it's got to be right you know yeah. <laughs> like he knows all the places to look and the crew are like we work with these with the, we work with these switches every day and we have no idea 
and we have no idea what's happening. They're like, and the he crew, has no. They're like the fake crew from Avenue Five. Yeah. <laughs> and and Jason Patrick seemingly has no frame of reference for computer shit, but he knows a fucking. He knows when something's, uh, you know, sending signals. So you've alluded to this. They they're in the cabin. Alex is vomiting into an ice bucket. Yeah. Lolita's on on the TV. Can, it's like somebody explained that to me. This well, choice. here's the thing. I originally thought it was a total non sequitur, and then I thought about what we've already talked about, which is that he's being desired by a 15 year old girl. By a 15 year old deaf girl. Yes. I think that's the connection. That's a terrible. Because connection. because the only other time we see someone watching a movie in this movie, it's uh, the enemy below. Yeah, so you can right. see the connection there, right? There's sort uh-huh. of like two ships colliding into each other. So I think there's got to be a connection here, and that seems to me the most obvious one. It's the only one. It's the only one. But this should not be on this movie's mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hollywood. I guess, but get your shit thing, together. Like, also, what's interesting is the choice to make him seasick, because that makes him far more vulnerable than the kind of typical male action hero. Yeah, but for four minutes, he's fine. He's fine after that, yeah. The next morning, he's shooting... I'm not he's saying shoot- it's successful. Don't <laughs> confuse what I'm saying is... I'm just saying... That it's, we, it's- we, 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 we go with with a zoom-in on his vomit bucket, uh, and we... It's a terrible choice. No one wants to see that. Terrible. So bad. But we cut from that to him skeet shooting the next morning. That Yeah, that's true. And uh, this is the first first um appearance of the leeches yeah uh clearly again credit to the foe he's clearly really putting leeches on his body right <laughs> so he's he's definitely he's def- again he's he's playing the character in it like he's he's got he's giving his character uh, an arc that builds throughout the movie and he's physically committed to the role again yes. i see no there's no room for criticism right of anything he does in this movie um. Yeah, but, so so the, um, and we don't know the significance of the leeches yet, but we will learn that uh, later. We 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 know that he's a former em- at this around this point. We learn that he is like Dennis Hopper, a former employee turned bad. Yeah. Um. Though he's not a cop, although the movie kind of treats him like he's an ex-cop, but I think that's just right. because the movie doesn't think too hard about things. Um, and he has a great moment where he suddenly throws the captain overboard and goes from. Like, oh, I cre- think that creepy, scene is hysterical. Creepy to maniacal in like a blink of an eye. If for no other reason than he's kind of using a spotlight that is like on a fulcrum, <laughs> like it's you know, this all this captain has to do is take two steps back, and Willem Dafoe is cannot hit him with anything because all he's got is this thing attached to the side of the yeah. boat. It's so funny. Um, that he pulls that off in terms of acting very well. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, it struck me at this point that it's a <laughs> that this this movie, you know, if you think about speed and how we get from the first action se- action set piece to the second action set piece, this is a much longer transition. Yes, right. <laughs> and then perhaps. What what comes after this is perhaps the revelation to me of the whole movie, which is that Jan de Bont is trying to scoop James Cameron's Titanic. 
Mm-hmm. Because it co- that comes out in a few months. Titanic's December. Right. This is July, right? Or something like that? I think so. So he must have known this was that Titanic was coming out. Mm-hmm. And so all of this, all of the lifeboat stuff, the evacuation of the ship. It all dancing, feels, keep yeah. dancing. They knew what they were doing. They're trying to trying to scoop Titanic. Well, they didn't. <laughs> no. I remember talking with Chu when we were doing all the monster movies, underwater monster movies from 1989. Yeah. And oh, the name of one of the directors is escaping me right now, but uh, you know. He was friends with James Cameron, who right. had The Abyss coming out that year. And Cameron had called him and said, uh, don't put your movie out early in the year. And the guy was like, well, I'm gonna. Yeah. And, and they kind of the friendship yeah. kind of broke up over that for many years because James Cameron is James Cameron, I guess. Uh, and I just remember thinking the same thing when I saw this. Like yeah. if he was going to give a call to Jan Devant saying, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Because this was actually... Titanic was supposed to be a summer movie Mm -hmm. and it's budget problems. You know, like because everything was taken so long, they pushed it back to December. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure this was a June release, like an early first couple of weeks of June for, for speed Two. Oh, it's absolutely shameless. I mean, it's clearly what it's so funny. Um, some pretty fantastic practical explosions though. Well, I mean, you cannot deny that, like, where, you know, where they do spend their money, there are things that look really good. Yeah. There I, are other you, moments where you're clearly seeing a CGI yacht it's the heading towards shore, the and you go, well... It's the propeller. I don't mind that so much. It's the And the propeller, yeah. It's the propellers. Yes. And you don't need to see the propellers that closely. No. We know the ship is either moving or it is not. <laughs> There's no need for a CGI propeller. Um, and you know what? I'm even willing to forgive some of the shaky camera work. You know, if you can't have that in a in a when a ship is crashing, when, when you can you? It? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Boba Fett takes over the captaincy of the ship. He has um, no choice. <laughs> yeah, just like Jabba's palace. Right. He, uh... <laughs> um. Yeah, Tamara Morrison, uh, this time rising star in Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. And he's had several renaissances since. Yeah. Most of them as Boba Fett, but I mean, right. still. <laughs> uh, or the father of uh, Aquaman. Aquaman. Um, we. So here's, here's a kind of Imbas sequel inversion. In the first film. Oh, uh, wait, but I, I got a note that okay. I got to share. Because I'm pretty sure it's when he kills the captain. Because uh-huh. there's a bit of dialogue there. Did you track it? That is so delicious. Because no, at, the, at one point, the captain says, <laughs> there's an exposition dump where he's mm-hmm. explaining his copper poisoning. Oh, well, let's talk about that. Again, I'd like to know how much research was done on that. Well, I know, I know what they're referencing. So, Okay. On. But... So there's that that exposition dump followed by the captain saying, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And that line of dialogue is followed by Willem Dafoe saying, that's what pisses me off. 
You don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. That is so good. <laughs> that's two people. Because those that's, are two characters a... talking about the inner thoughts of the audience. Yeah, and it's also it's also two two it's also a screenwriter using char- two characters' dialogue to distract from the fact that he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. By having two two characters <laughs> say it to each other. Oh, it's so good. It's literally like going, "Look over there." Yeah. And then running away. <laughs> um well, you brought up copper poisoning. Yeah. So, the reference here, I think, is Alice in Wonderland and the Mad Hatter, right? You think? Yeah, because the Mad uh, the Mad Hatter was a reference to people in the hat industry who mm-hmm. went crazy because of lead poisoning. Because lead was contained in the hat making process. And they all went crazy, and I think that's oh, what I don't know. If, I don't know if the writers. You telling are... me Willem Dafoe isn't like the act like the Mad Hatter in this film? <laughs> I might and that's to... definitely what they're going for. I might have to concede that point. My point was that I, don't I don't think copper poisoning is a thing. Well, so I was curious. But IT people, I've not heard many IT people. Well, and that's the thing is that I can't find out if this is comp- like related at all to computer stuff. Because I read that sudden copper poisoning is rare. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> unsurprisingly, <laughs> but that it can cause severe, you know, health problems. Obviously. But he would have to be taking the copper out of every wire. Right. Exactly. Which is not what I think IT people do. I don't think so either. Um, so yeah, well, what I was saying before, in the original movie, Dennis Hopper wants the passengers on the ship. Willem Dafoe's plan is to get them off the ship. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's a that's an imbasse. But but his plan is to get them off the ship so that he can steal diamonds that we've never talked about. Up until the moment where he steals them. No, we saw them. They, we saw they were taken around the restaurant. Yeah, but barely. <laughs> I mean, we have like why? Why does he? a pretty clear. Like I was like, I'm probably gonna see that jewelry again at some point. Why does he want them? He's gonna die anyway. Do you be forty get in the lifeboats? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we should have had at least one shot of them. That would be amazing. <laughs> With their brummy accents. My favorite uh, part Edipus, about the lifeboats, hmm? you were referencing, um, you know, earlier we were we were talking about the parents. Well, I think you have the same note I do. You were talking about Lois? Yeah. That, well, I think, I think, I, I don't know if you're about to say this, but I love that the parents of a hearing impaired child have to remind each other that their daughter can't hear. Right. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, I was going to not only say that, but I was all, I was also going to say that as they're getting off the boat, and we've already established, like, this movie is trying to treat this giant boat like it's a small boat. Yes. So they're they're shuffling everyone off, and their, their deaf daughter is missing. Yeah. She's what, 15 or 14? 15. Oh, no, she's, she's 14. She's, she's 14 going, going on, on 15. 15. So she, a fourteen-year-old deaf child, is missing on a boat with a madman on it. Yeah. 
And the husband has this line, Celeste, we've looked everywhere. As in, get on the lifeboat and yeah. get the fuck off this boat. Our daughter's on her own. But doesn't that speak to a greater truth that he he does that that guy he's over his deaf daughter? Yeah, exactly. That's what I got from their first scene together. That he he's he's over he's having had to enough like, spell that. everything out for her. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, <laughs> that's a good point to to either stop the podcast or to stop the episode or just stop the podcast. Yeah. What. Well, why don't we at least take a break and then we'll come back? <laughs> we'll start getting into the uh, golf balls or bombs portion of the movie. Yep, I have a, have a lot to say about that as well. Along with everything else. And the return of Boba Fett. There you go. We'll be right back. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2 a T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2 a T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. We're back once again, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here trying to see if we can get Speed 2 Cruise Control under control. <laughs> well that's what cruise control is yeah. for you don't need to control exactly. it just sit back and enjoy the ride I love how much of this movie is just everybody in the sort of the helm of the ship uh, watching this boat go faster than they want it to <laughs> <laughs> which to us when they keep showing us establishing shots from the outside yeah. it's just a boat going slow yeah, it's just right. going at something. I say, uh, every disaster in this movie could have been prevented if people looked uh, looked back quickly after narrowly averting yes. peril. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you look back quick, if you didn't take a moment after that happened to look to one mm-hmm. side, there there would be no movie. Just just as if like. <laughs> Jason Patrick nearly catches Willem Dafoe before he does yes, anything. Right. Well, and so. so, I mean, we're at the portion of the movie where we're kind of jumping from set piece to set piece, but, but like, each set piece is varied in, in terms of, like, length of time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Like... I do. When they're, when, when they're in the room on opposite doors of each other, 
and chasing yeah. each other and he's got to get the deaf girl and then she, you know Annie's got to save Alex and then they got to you know get on a rope underneath the boat for whatever reason I can't even remember Sure. Yeah, no, I can't remember either. Followed by heading towards an oil tanker. That sums mm-hmm. up the whole, you know, B portion of the story. And and Alex has to make a huge leap of logic. Um, at one point he he goes, he goes. It would you know the bomb would have to be the size of a golf ball, golf balls, golf balls, yes, Geiger, right. <laughs> and I love that I love that they make it seem like the the B to the C is the bigger leap. <laughs> it's like no, the B to the C, golf balls to Geiger is a natural right. assumption. It's bomb, bomb to, to golf, golf ball is the, the is the huge across the Grand Canyon. It's a to B is the problem, not B. That's to a C. Grand Canyon leap. That yeah, I know, I know, and it really does feel like Geiger and Alex have met before. Other than right at the bar of yeah. the cruise ship, it feel I don't know if that was like a hangover from just the first movie or or just an earlier draft of the script, but there's a cat and mouse element to it which is unearned. Yes, right. These two guys don't know each other from mm-hmm. Adam, and it's funny because <laughs> and it really feels like well, they what's do. funny is because you're dealing with that in the first movie too, mm-hmm. but because of the efficiency of that opening action sequence scene, it kind yeah. of bring it melds those two t- characters together as adversaries in a way right. that carries through the rest of the movie. And this movie doesn't have that. No. Another huge leap is that Alex knows ASL. Oh, yeah. Because, and it just happens that the only passenger trapped in the ship is, is right. a hearing impaired teenager. That was a um, huge script who... convenience. It really was. Uh, um, Not even Annie knew about it. <laughs> so, so they they, they they treat pedophilia as a running gag. Yes. No, you are not wrong this? at all. I'm okay. in love with you, and I'm 15, or I'll be 15, I think. I'll be, I'm yeah. going to be 15 next month. Um, on the plus side, the water flooding the ship looks great. Practically. Yes. It's a very viscerally, viscerally effective I won't take sequence. that away from this movie. Um, but we kind of, we blow the fact that this is a, this is a disappointing sequel in the line, I've been in worse situations than this, which Annie (laughs) says, it's like, so you're tacitly admitting that what happens in speed (laughs) has bigger stakes than 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 what I'm, what's happening on screen right now. It's also weird how this how this movie treats the extreme circumstances line from the original as if it's become some kind of catch. Yeah, exactly. It's that's very strange to me. I don't think Well again, and also Alex is the one saying it, right? Doesn't he say it to the deaf girl? He says it to the to the deaf girl, Annie says it to him, he says it to Annie. It comes up again and again but is and again, it, like everyone. Does Annie say it to him before he says it to the deaf girl? Because it's, it's it's as though he and Annie have had a conversation about Jack. You know? Right. Because, well, in, in the original, they both say it to each other at yeah. different times. But in this movie, it just feels like everyone is just, 
everyone is saying it as if as if as, it's if, like, as, if, uh, as if it's I'll be back or dynamite. <laughs> you know, like everyone knows it in the world yes. of the film. Uh, I like that Alex once he figures I, something is amiss, he goes he goes into the bridge and just says, "What do these do?" and starts hitting buttons. Yeah, I have no conf- I think I've said this before. I have no confidence in this yeah. crew. The, at one point, he says, "He says I'm LAPD," and Brian McCarty asks, "What's LAPD?" <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, he's he's from Scotland. How can he have not heard of the the LAPD? Yeah. Um, and then of course the the scene. <laughs> When when it's a choice between Boba Fett or Annie as to who is gonna tie the knot to secure yeah. the the thing that blows the door, it's always gonna right. be Annie. And as far as I'm aware, one of the things that sailors are renowned for doing tying is nuts. tying knots. And yet they're trusting it with Annie instead of Boba Fett. And you know what? I think it's the right <laughs> choice. <laughs> well, I thought they wanted Annie to do that because she doesn't have anything else to do. Apart from nearly kill well, except for chainsaw doors. Chainsaws. <laughs> Fuck's sake! It's uh, it's yeah, it's a very strange. It's a very strange. It's kind of hard to watch Alex running all about the ship, taking care of everything, when in mm. the last in the previous movie, Annie is the central figure to making sure everybody doesn't die because she's driving the bus. You know, yeah. right. Um, and that's a no one's dri- no one's driving anything here. No, no one's capable yeah, exactly. Of except anything. Geiger. Geiger's driving the boat exactly where he wants it to go, which is into an oil tanker. Which is into which is is into a, which is into an oil tanker. Um. The movie even gets in the way of how good Willem Dafoe's performance is at times, (laughs) because when he's he's got like a recorded monologue that plays on the big screen in the restaurant as well, all the shit's going down. And I'm just like, I just want to see that. Like, I don't want to see anything else that's going on. Like, I can't hear what I bet this is good because Willem Dafoe is good. He's the only thing in this movie I'm invested in. (laughs) I don't care how many blinking beacons there are, how much shit is exploding. Um, But as with the jewelry being like a setup for what Willem Dafoe is stealing, apparently them going to the mall earlier in the movie was... A right, set, was a setup. I just thought they were going to the mall, but now, like, just as in Hudson Hawk, Annie is following the music right. to find where the mall is. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I mean, they're so far, uh, they're so far away from what they're going to be hitting. Yeah, that it feels like that scene in Austin Powers with the security guard and the slow yeah, moving, right. the, the uh, steamroller, yeah. They're so, like, visually, like you say, visually, they're so far away from it. And there's 50 minutes well, left and the, the movies, and the... you're like, is this just going to be 50 minutes of, like, <laughs> turning? slowly crawling towards the audience? I really thought it was going to well, be. Well, part of the problem, and too, I, I kinda like that it's not. is that they, you know, they do this thing where Al- Alex is with 
who? The guy who's always taking pictures or videoing? He like works mm. on the boat and they. Yeah, yeah, he's the yeah, photographer. He's either Dante or. Yeah, Ashton. they're taking turns hand cranking the, the turning mechanism for the boat. But, <laughs> but that is. You know, it it work like visually on film. It works in a way in which you think. That boat was like they had so much time. Yeah. Where it, it just looks ridiculous when the boat finally turns and like kind of sideswipes the oil tanker and you think, <laughs> no, they didn't do that in time. <laughs> I do like how everyone in this movie keeps grabbing the steering wheel. Oh, yeah. And then asking a bunch of dumb questions. <laughs> I think that's a great... I don't know if it's meant to be a running gag, but it, it's very satisfying. <laughs> Uh, I as as I'm sure you'll suspect, I have a note here about the combination of underwater and slow motion. Uh, well, naturally, you shouldn't do either, but you definitely shouldn't do both of them together. <laughs> uh, and this is uh, this is one of the moments I think. Now, is um, that just a slow bit, like when the when the whatever the the, the thing that the ropes attached to wrenches free? And Alex sees it coming at him underneath yeah. the boat, and it's ooh, yeah, yeah, underwater and slow Bad. motion, back to back, um, one negates the other, and this this is, um, I think the, the 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 eyes and the smile on the line. So you met my nurses, <laughs> worth the price of admission alone. <laughs> oh, and after this is where Boba Fett does a kind of screen test for George Lucas where he gets thrown off the sail barge. Yes. Comically. comically and, and then a- this... Appears to, fall, appears to fall for his death and then yeah. comes back. I bet he just sent that off to George Lucas. This movie really has to kind of bend over backwards to make sure that uh, everybody we like doesn't die. Well, that that's true. And then in addition to that... Or anybody they think won't... we like. <laughs> Also for Geiger to be like getting away with what he's doing, uh-huh. because at one point he's not—he's pointing his gun at the only person he's not threatening, right. and everyone else in the scene has free reign to yeah. just jump him. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, and along the way we get flashes of some of the—you know—what's going on with some of the other passengers. One says, how could this happen on our honeymoon? Presumably, we're supposed to feel sorry for them. <laughs> it just makes me hate their yes. privilege. When they say that, I'm just like, oh, I hate those guys now. Well, it's like Annie um, saying, this is my vacation. You know? Mm-hmm. Just like Bruce Willis right. in Good Day to Die Hard. Want true then, ain't true now. <laughs> um, when, when Annie goes off on a speedboat, there's absolutely nothing on the ship connected to the original movie. I find that hilarious. <laughs> There's no connection to the original speed anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, we've lost we've lost all all tethering. And so we're start so at least in my notes are starting to transition into what I suspect is our both our favorite sequences. Oh my god, like hitting the boats to slow down. And then the ramming. Yes. Yeah, well that's where it starts. I, I I'm gonna take the whole everything like, up until Yeah. The docking yeah. in in the 
in the marina. This is a masterstroke of absurdity. It really and is. Like starting with the ramming of boats in the bay. Like there are so many fucking civilian deaths that must have occurred. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I, that's that's what I have. It's, it's like it's like all of the crew of the bananas boat. They're gone. all gone. Yes. Um, peace on Earth, the peace on earth boat. All those hippies yep. are dead. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> you. Oh, it's called li- Live in Peace. It's just mercilessly blown from You the and Harry Callahan. And, well, this is like a <laughs> this is a this is a pretty brutal turn for this so far relatively bloodless, Yeah, exactly. Mostly exactly. film. <laughs> and you know, when we get to, it's it's a scene of complete carnage and devastation. Co- yes. And a disaster of tsunami-like proportions. Delivered at length with comedic yes, relish. Because, because, and I've... It's nothing but I've sight talked gags. The, I've talked we've... about this before with Brian McCarty, but spurs throughout all of this is him saying, that's good, we're down to 16 knots. People are dying <laughs> and, out there. And all that has to happen is every boat you hit has to cause carnage and destruction. But it's it's so funny how, like, the... the Combining this huge scene of devastation with this sequence of sight gags to the point where, like, they squeeze out an extra punchline at the end with the, um, with like, like some, you know, the, the, the house, an extra few houses collapse. Yes, right. To squeeze out an extra punchline, I'm like, well, that's 10 more people dead. That adds to your body count, all in the name of, of an extra punchline. And you've also got, uh, speaking of stealing from other mid-90s movies, when the kid in the um, timeshare looks out the window and sees a ship right. coming, and no one believes him. That's basically the scene from yes, The Lost exactly. World. Done, done with a boat instead yeah. of a dinosaur. <laughs> I mean, that, that entire beach town is destroyed in front of our eyes. Well, and not, like, and practically... Because they built it. They yes. built it out so that it could be destroyed. Yeah. And it, <laughs> I mean, you've got, you've got some, I mean, ju- you know, just watch the sequence. If, you, if you're going to watch any part of this movie, watch it. You've got sight gags, like the ship crashes into a bottle, a uh, speedboat flies into yeah. a shop, someone turns an op- an <laughs> a sign in their shop from... From, from open op- to close, or closed to open to closed, yeah. 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 Uh, there's the all the business with the dog and the yes. convertible. Um, it's like full. We're, we're back in we're back in rom com sitcom land. Well, yeah, we're in a full on silent yeah, movie, right. really. Uh, or you know, the Lois Charles connection, Moonraker. Yes. Um, which we haven't mentioned, by the way. We like she is from Moonraker, so. She is from yeah. She's a, she's another Bond no, girl. That's yeah, two Bond another girls Bond in a girl row. and. Uh, I'm assuming there's not one in American Werewolf in Paris. Right. I don't think so. But she's I mean, also Julie in Creepshow too, so leap. we'll visit her again someday. Hopefully not that soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Thanks for the ride, lady. Then, I get. I guess like the you know, the once this has happened and the the cruise ship is wedged 
in the middle of the marina. But the propeller's still going. People. Propeller's still CGI still propeller, twirly whirly. And we have the return of Glenn Glenn yes. Plummer as a legacy character. Coincidence rears its head again. But that you know, there's your sitcom, you know, special guest appearance mm-hmm. by. Um. And <laughs> again, this is a moment where the where the <laughs> the movie is asking you to accept a level of coincidence that it, that is not humanly possible. Yes. Glenn Palmer is having a different vehicle commandeered again yes. by the surrogate of the legacy character yes. <laughs> in an entirely unrelated yes. situation that also involves Sandra Bullock's Annie. Right. Who who Because I love who, I love that reason Geiger... for being there has nothing to do with the nothing to do with the original no. movie either. But I also like that Geiger takes her and he says, Stay with me, you're my hostage. This yeah, is, on an on a double jet ski. This is the level of dialogue easily, we got. Easy, a double jet ski with an easily releasable single. And also, just side note, because what's what's his name? Plummer. Yeah, Glenn Sam Plummer. I don't know what the character's okay. called. I don't think I he has couldn't a name. remember his first name. So the character or the actor? The actor. Oh, it's Glenn Plummer, but I don't think the the only character's name. I, I think, think it's Maurice. Guy with boat, guy I think with the car. character's Maurice. Oh, okay. But Glenn Plummer is also with Allison Dean. Mm. And I had to look it up because I recognize her and she's from Coming to America. She's the ah. sister. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, well, we've already mentioned Moonraker, but the, the harpoon reel on the plane is just pure license oh, to kill. Oh, man. But also... It, Oh, not cold open. The 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 in the middle, in the middle with the drug deal. But it's mm-hmm. so sublime, Tom. Because there are okay. there are moments in this movie where they're showing what is like they're showing somebody actually being dragged, and you think, no, yeah, he'd he'd give up. <laughs> he would like it. Yeah, and here's some more 1997 movie crossover material: the underwater breath kiss. Yeah. Because when I saw that, I thought, well, I've seen this a lot. Sure. But I looked it up, and one of the big references is Tomorrow Never Dies, which came out in 1997. That's right. And is a oh Bond my movie. God. Um, so you can say what you want about this movie, but it is in the zeitgeist. <laughs> it, is, it is of 1997. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what that says about 1997, but, did but you have, it is hitting the 1997 nail did, on the did head. Did you have moments while you're watching it with the harpoon gun and the getting onto the plane where you think, because there are moments where they're showing actual speed. Now we're finally doing things fast. <laughs> it only took an hour and 40 minutes, but we're finally, we have some speed. And I don't think speed, we yeah. mentioned this, by I the did. way, but that yacht that or the cruise ship crashing, I mean, like, yeah, is that like twenty five minutes? How long is that? Yeah, it's a, it's a very long. This is what I'm. I mean, um, that that was that was it. I, you know, I said in the ranking episode, I kept checking the timer. I was like, I do not know how they're gonna fill the rest. <laughs> they of the movie. filled it with that crash, and then, and then that sequence happens, and I'm like, well, that's taken care yeah. of a lot of it. 
And I, I guess I guess I have to be happy. You know, I thought it was going to be wasted on what we've seen. You know, it was just going to be a drawn out version of what we've no, seen No, it was already. like it $140 really million dollars of the 160 that they spent. Definitely. Definitely. And it was it was all worth it. It's sublime. Like I said, I gave it a standing ovation. <laughs> you did say that. But yeah, there, so, but really there's a moment where he, where he gets on that plane and everything's happening so fast. And I think to myself, how are they going to show him getting off this plane? Because that plane has taken off now. It's like high in the air. Yeah. And then they have this terrible shot of them. Do they land just in the water or in the boat? Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Uh, I can't remember either. But yeah, I, I remember thinking oh, the same thing. Man, so funny. Uh. And the oil tanker explodes. Yeah, oh, it does. And there's really re- no reason un- for it to happen. The environmental impact of this situation. Uh, nobody's given any consideration to the environmental impact. No. Yeah. But I, there's really no reason for it to happen, right? It's just that Geiger no. is paying attention to other things that he doesn't see it. Yes. Right. And so he flies the plane and then he thinks he's gotten enough lift, but then he rams into, you know, a pole. Right. Again, it it feels like 1997 is a more innocent time where you can just wantonly destroy an oil tanker without thinking about the repercussions in a bigger sense. (laughs) And also when you're flying a plane and you hit an object, you just stick to that object. And that's pretty much it, right? Uh, for the movie, you don't topple over. I'm saying, I'm oh, saying, that, you know, the way that Jan de Bont tries to show us that this plane has gotten stuck to the oil tanker is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's everything pays oh, off so well in the in the end, but it takes takes two hours. And for I us forget what is it. The anchor, oh, wait, is the is the tanker on fire and then his his gas leaks onto it or doesn't he doesn't the plane his doesn't he do a like a Christopher Walken view to a kill kind of yeah well he does death. a laugh death for sure it's kind of kamikaze thing I think I said laugh death laugh death no that's that well there's there death is in this death movie. in the movie but. There's, but uh, that maniacal laughter is just sublime. Yeah. But I can't remember yeah, if like gone... the plane explodes and like that fire hits the 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 oil tanker. Anyway, that's what I think. That's what I seem to remember okay. happening. Um. So yeah. So, but it is. It's just that like extra note of gratuitous destruction that that you do right. Need. To sort of end this, end this. Why movie. not? You spend the last twenty million dollars on that. But again, t- you know, the tone is still pure, pure sitcom. Oh yeah. Because we see all the wanton destruction, and we've got like a kind of Caribbean steel right. gun playing. Exactly. It's, like, it's all good. It's like no, hundreds of people died. It's not all good. <laughs> and the sea, and you can't go into the sea for another fifty years because right. of the pollution. This is no longer. <laughs> this is no longer a vacation spot. Yeah. <laughs> but don't worry, Maurice got the jewels. <laughs> Glenn Plummer's in the clear. Cause you follow we basically followed the jewels yeah, in the movie. <laughs> the jewels. 
We see the jewels once at dinner. We see the jewels be stolen, and then we see the jewels in the water, and that's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's that's as close to a to a through line as we get. <laughs> but the movie's not over except yet. for the badge number. Yes, badge number through Appar- line. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's true. Oh, that might be that, uh, well, that might be a good album title, when... Badge Number Through Line. <laughs> Apparently, this was too much. The movie was too much to pack into two hours because once we get into the credits, we loop back to the opening driving test scene. We have to bring Tim Conway back. Um, and the only narrative. And clearly, Annie has learned this. no lessons. <laughs> No, well that's it. But the narrative le- the narrative reason to do this is to see her yes. pass. To sort of wrap up the first two movies. And it doesn't no. even do that. She she nearly crashes she crashes. Not and nearly, nearly. Gets a bus. she does crash. She does crash, yeah. Off screen, yeah. Right? We, we hear, hear a yeah. yeah. It's also we can see a bus. Yeah, right. Really. That's so that, that, let's that's bring what, that back. So, so that, again, they've got the We're right idea. We're tying it all together, it been... but it's not tying no. anything together. Tying it together if she passed a test, <laughs> like you say, if something had been learned. If we, I'm somewhere. saying they think they're tying it all together. Meanwhile, it's just a bunch yeah, they... of loose strands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, slanted credits unnecessary. Always. Just looks like an aspect ratio mistake. <laughs> Uh, that techno version of the speed theme is utterly hideous. Yeah. It feels like what the sequel is to the original movie in musical terms. <laughs> um, am I mad or is there a number of songs credited that did not appear in the movie? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> then, I don't, maybe maybe they I were don't... playing on the speakers like over dinner in an instrumental fashion or something. It must be, but I there are some songs in there, like some really well known songs. Like what? And I'm like, I do not remember hearing these in like the movie. Like what? You didn't write them down? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I didn't write that down. But damn it. Um. And then this is our second, our second of two suspiciously specific disclaimers. Yeah. Well. What? Uh, no. No oceans were polluted in the making of this film. Wow, I didn't notice that one. That one slipped by me. Um, first of all, painting no, that's not true. A, you, it's impossible to do all you, you blew do that shit up. and not pollute the ocean. <laughs> You're um, telling me you got every also, bit of boat you rammed through, like the 17 boats you rammed through? I don't right. believe you. And also, and also, makes me think they very much polluted the ocean. <laughs> right. It was another payment. It was just another, we, you know, no, and the important thing is no oceans were polluted. <laughs> Wait, that was a, that was, a, you were at risk of doing that? No. I'm not say, no, no, I'm no, saying, no, no, of course not. No, I'm just saying no oceans were polluted. Uh, oh, you're always talking about so, the end zone lair. It's bringing just, the naked gun back for you. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite something. That's fantastic. Were there other? Uh... That's it. That's all. Yeah, my, that's, that's all, all my the credit, credit check. checks. Wow. Uh, 
Yeah. But I'm glad I, I'm glad I saw it after all these years, and I'm glad I saw it now. <laughs> it got you right at the right time. It really did. <laughs> I think at any other time in my life, I wouldn't have had the patience for this film. Um. Yeah. That's that's all I. I'm have. on the road to recovery of my hate from the first time I saw it. I yeah. really, I really did. I had, I had. I had a really delightful time watching it this time. It was really fun. Yeah. And if not for just separating myself from the top of your list, it I think it'd be at the top of my list. Yeah. You know? It's got in it, it's you know in the end it's just a numbers game. It's got it's got yeah. more about it than the other it two does. movies. More that works versus what what doesn't. Which work. is crazy. That's a crazy thing to say. <laughs> And boy, is there a lot that doesn't work. <laughs> the concept of the movie being... Yes, right. Being the biggest <laughs> one. <laughs> That's great. Well, anything left for you, sir? That, no, that's All it. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that does it. We've completed mm. round two of the 1997 single sequels. With Speed 2 Cruise Control, coming up next, the movie we liked the least of the three, (laughs) An American Werewolf in Paris. So, you know, strap in. Could be, it's going to be a a bad moon rising. To say the least. (laughs) All right. That's it. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Michael Schantz here. I'm of the How Dare You Awards. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com to tell us your thoughts about Speed 2 Cruise Control. Hit them with one last thing of sugar, Tom. Don't shoot. It's not a gun. It's just a computer. <laughs> That's amazing. Some of the least compelling, most ill-thought-out lines of dialogue. So much fun. (laughs) But, you know, in the hands of... In the hands and mouth of... In the fish mouth of Willem (laughs) Dafoe. It all sounds like... like We never gave gave any play to that kid he smacks over the head who, for no reason, walks into his room when it says, don't clean. I have a theory that every great performance in a movie has a moment just like that. <laughs> it comes out of absolutely nowhere that is entirely down to the right. actor. It's not scripted. It's not... It, 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 it means nothing. But you can't have a great performance without That's it. That's great. Like, like Bill Murray putting his finger down the bowler's pants right. in Kingdom. <laughs> All right. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. When you hear us next time, God help us, we're going to be talking about an American werewolf in Paris. (laughs) And then we're moving on. (laughs) All right. Until next time. Say goodbye, Tom. Goodbye. Done and done. (laughs) 